episode of The Big Question presented by Flint Film, a podcasting in-depth look at a specific movie question. On this episode, we'll discuss what are the best movies in the Marvel Cinematic Universe by ranking them. As well as my host, Cooper Hood, and this week I'm joined by Josh Straley. Yep, I'm still here, everybody. He has not yet been kicked off. Those assassination attempts failed. <laughs> this is your announcement. Just kidding. No one wants to kill me. I'm glad to be here, and... We are joined by a special guest. Yeah, it's another list episode, so uh, Colton Lichty's here again. Oh, look at that. L- wait, what's your, say your last name again. <laughs> Lichty. Okay, you are now officially List Lichty, the guy who appears. <laughs> Every to... time there's a List episode. Yeah, or you can switch it around to... Lichty List? Yeah, another Lichty's List. Here's the Lichty List. We should yeah. have you do lists, like as a reoccurring segment, week to week. Colton, would... what are the top five... Blue shirts in movies. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Best Santa Claus in a movie. Uh, the Sir Richard uh, Attenborough. Yeah, Richard Attenborough in uh, Miracle you. on 34th Street. <laughs> we talked about this on the main show, mm-hmm. and perfect. Mm-hmm. So blessed that you agree. Yes. I, just, I haven't seen the movie in a long time. Okay. Uh, you got I'll get it to you. Okay. On Blu-ray. Oh, perfect. <laughs> Not about this DVD crap. Not on VHS. All right, that's that's even OG. Worse. <laughs> yes. <laughs> need, need this HD crystal clear. Can't go anything less. <laughs> yes, I'm sorry. But uh, yeah, this is the big question. Uh, this may be a two-parter, but we'll see how this plays out. Um, because we are, have 20 MCU movies that we have to rank. We have to. It is literally our duty to rank these MC movies mm-hmm. because of me. I said so, so we're yep. going to do it. <laughs> uh, and in order to do so, we each submitted our lists ahead of time and then compiled a consensus ranking so that way uh, we can kind of talk about the positioning, why some people have it above others. But it is not just our three opinions that are being weighed here, as we also have input from a- another friend of the show, Amanda Morris. She uh took extra time that she could have been spent sleeping to provide us with a list of her rankings of the MC movies. So uh, we appreciate that. Amanda, you'll be back on the show, hopefully very soon. But in the meantime, this felt like the best way to keep her involved and uh, add just a little bit more, uh, some more opinions, some different opinions about the MCU and kind of shake up our rankings a little bit extra. So uh, we are going to get right into it. There's no honorable mentions. There are 20 movies. There's nothing that's going to be left off the list, including the incredible Hulk, coming in at number 20 i don't think it's that big of a surprise (laughs) because this is the movie that most people just honestly just forget about Mm -hmm. as josh did when he was trying to make his list yeah i wanted to go from memory and i'm like i've seen i've seen all these movies why can't i get them all then i realized i was missing the incredible hulk and then i realized even more i don't think i've even seen the incredible hulk all the way through (laughs) wait what really i believe i've seen like the final battle against the Abomination. 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 And that was it, where he just jumps out of the helicopter and then beats him to death and then disappears and then goes to meditate in the Canadian wilderness. And then that's it. That was it. That's all I've seen in that movie. But I, so nothing I, of actual uh, <laughs> yes. what's his face that's in it. I Edward Norton. Norton. Yeah. Yeah. I know Ross is the same, but that's it. And you know what? I guess since we have it at number 20, I feel okay just you know <laughs> declaring that to all okay. of you <laughs> i think i think that's totally fair like if uh you know if, if it's my responsibility and i'm ca- i'm showing somebody them to you i'm still going to show mm-hmm. them the incredible hulk okay. i did this with my sister and uh, lead up to infinity war she wanted to see all the movies because she wanted to see infinity war and i was like all right we gotta start at the beginning go with iron man and then next up is incredible hulk and then it's like wait how come edward norton's not around anymore well right. 
the long story is he was kind of a pain to work with, wanted a lot more money, had creative control, and Marvel's like, no. <laughs> so that was <laughs> the end of it. That. And that's why Mark Ruffalo has now been Hulk since then. But I have to say, Incredible Hulk is, was not my number 20. It was my number 19. So really? it is not mm. the my least favorite MCU movie because I still think Edward Orton is a really good Bruce Banner. And mm-hmm. I still think seeing the Hulk in a solo setting is, is fun. It's surprise it is different than what we get in hulk in the rest of the movies so i like the focus on him i like edward norton's portrayal of him um now that general thunderbolt ross um played by uh william hurt is now a is back in the universe it feels more legitimate of like hey i need to see this movie more now because like ross is still around he's still you know trying to terrorize the avengers a little bit and keep superheroes under his control and uh i i think it's got a it's got a good finale but it is just kind of suffers the well it's not super important in the overarching landscape of the mcu and other than that it's more like it, it is just generally good but it's nothing like amazing so i think incredible hulk is a is a fine movie but it's nothing uh you know to to really you know yeah. ride home about i actually really really like the first like 20 30 minutes of the movie um like when it takes place in brazil yeah um, I thought that was really well done. Overall, I mean, it's still a movie I watch every time I do a rewatch of Marvel. Mm-hmm. Um, Edward Norton, I still think, yeah, he's a good Bruce Banner. Um, Liv Tyler's probably my <laughs> I biggest knew you were going there. <laughs> complaint with the movie. I just don't like the way she plays Betty Ross. Do you mean she does? You don't like how she talks? I like don't this? like how she <laughs> always Super whispers quiet. like she's still in Lord of the Rings. <laughs> she does that all the whole movie. Like that's how she talks, and she's trying Bruce, to be soothing to Bruce. him. It just if you take him off, he becomes a green monster. It doesn't work for me, but I mean, uh, yeah, I mean, it's I, I'll go ahead and say like every movie in this list is at least a three and a half for me, so I don't hate any of these. Mm-hmm. Okay, so, but yeah, I mean, I don't really have much else to say than that opening like twenty thirty minutes is really good. Gotcha, mm-hmm. and right. then yeah, the end fight's pretty good too. It's just it kind of like. It kind of gets worse on repeat viewings for me in particular just because the CGI over the years kind of gets, you know, sure. ages. Right. And, I remember um, seeing the OG. It's just a lot of uh, yelling. Yeah. So yeah. Colors <laughs> clashing. So, yeah. <laughs> That's a good way to put it. Yeah. I remember seeing the OG Hulk and being like... Wow, oh, man. this is <laughs> the angry one? incredible. Yeah. I, that, that's, I've not seen that one. And then... It's, uh, it's something. I saw a clip from it the other Old day. dogs. <laughs> and I was like, oh, okay, no, thank you. Yeah, I don't I don't think I can handle it now. Like, yes. The superhero genre, movies in general have progressed so much that mm-hmm. I don't think I could see that weird, like, blubbery <laughs> Eric Banner like Green the, I kind of dug the way they edited it with, like, the comic book turning type yeah. deal. I have heard it is yeah. very comic booky, but... It's just not one that I'm like. Yeah, I, know I haven't I need seen to see it, it in a very but, long time. The but. shade of green is just like what? yeah, it's it's pretty bad. But I I do remember Incredible Hulk had a maybe maybe it was no it was the Ang Lee Hulk maybe Ang Lee Hulk had a very cool uh, tie-in video game that was actually hmm. very fun that I played a lot. But Probably. Um, Amanda wanted to say on Incredible Hulk that uh, she did not think Edward Norton was very awesome and in context of the mcu she wishes that they could that we could just opt in mark ruffalo and just improve the movie <laughs> exponentially by doing such uh, which i do not disagree with necessarily but yeah, i um, would have made the movie better but Liv tyler's still the biggest knock yeah for her uh she says hulk is her favorite character so she is mm. just mad that we don't have the rights to give him a solo movie so she's a little oh, <laughs> angry against not only this movie but uh, against universal like well 
you guys are holding us against seeing a lot more. So I, I don't disagree there. So uh, plus the reception this one got overall, I think a lot of people's list would have this at the bottom. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think that's another reason why we're not really getting another solo. Like even if Universal didn't really like have a hold on it. Yeah. I don't know. I think if, if Marvel had the full rights, I think they would have given like a Ragnarok. I think they would have I mean. given like Mark Ruffalo another shot and been like, all right, you're, you're playing yeah. ball after you know Ragnarok and everything else yeah. like I feel like they would have given him something or even like they could do a prequel and show him arriving you know what what he was doing between Age of Ultron and the Rider and show him yeah. actually become the conqueror This was also before this came out like before the MCU really like right. took flight I mean Iron Man had come out but like it was just that, that post credit like, now like everybody goes to see a Marvel movie back yeah. then it was just you know yeah, it's just another superhero movie. Yep. So uh, another movie that I think is well cemented at being near the bottom of the MCU's uh, standings is Thor The Dark World. This one comes at number 19 for us, and this was actually my least favorite of the MCU mm-hmm. movies uh, just because the whenever I rewatch it, it's just the one that I don't really look forward to watching. Like, the rest of them, I'm like, all right, Incredible Hulk, like, mm-hmm. this is cool. I like Abomination, but, like, Malekith is such a bland villain that like eric eccleson gets or yeah something like that he gets nothing to do with that character and it's just like yeah i I love the dynamic between loki and thor becoming actual brothers and teaming up but then also playing off like oh well loki's obviously going to try to trick him in some ways um there's a lot of i think good moments in thor the dark world but just everything around it um just i don't think doesn't work very well for me I actually I do like Malekith as a villain. Really, uh, believe it or not, I do agree that he's very one note. Um, all of his scenes um, it just seems like very generic um, dialogue. Um, but I, I I think it's just the look of him. I think it's yeah. cool, like the dark elves overall. Like I love the shot of where they get the ship into uh, the palace in Asgard, mm-hmm. and they're just like all sitting in there. Oh yeah. Like before they, I, I love that whole breakout scene. That's a really good moment in the movie. Yeah. But um, yeah. I mean, Malekith as a villain, I can't complain too much. Um, I just, yeah, he's very one note, and that's why I could see saying that. But Christopher Eccleston. Yes. Sorry. I yeah. I, 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 I realized that Asgold said I was like Eric Eccleston. I know that's not right. right. Yeah. I like, Chris. Chris. <laughs> yeah. I skip over those episodes of Doctor that season of Doctor Who. <laughs> <laughs> to everyone's chagrin but i mean like you it's hard to diss i mean it, it's not hard to diss but when you have tom hiddleston and chris hemsworth like getting a little bit of a team-up action like that's fun and that's the most exciting that thor ever really gets mm-hmm. is when they're like you said that breakout scene at least yeah. getting loki out of prison and seeing tom hiddleston get to act um you know and have, being in grief because of Freya's death like that's all really um interesting and mm-hmm. neat especially in the post avengers marketplace yeah movie marketplace here but everything else is just like blah anthony hopkins is worse as the king this time <laughs> around somehow and yeah. it just does him just dis- i mean i think a lot of the humor works in this movie too though um there's definitely some moments where it's just kind of like don't have humor there because it kind of ruins the moment a little bit right. but um i mean there's still a lot of Things that kind of stand out to me. I mean, I think uh, what's her name, Cat uh, Dennings' character. Oh yeah, I don't really like her in this movie. It's Darcy. Yeah, I just it's, she kind of that. That's the humor that doesn't really work as well for me. Yeah, like um, she what? has she has a couple moments like when her but, boyfriend like picks up yeah, or her, her intern intern like picks up the car and yeah it's like. Ah. But yeah, I mean like the little moments like Thor hanging up his hammer in the <laughs> apartment yes. on the. Uh, is is it worthy? Rack, Come on. Yeah. yeah. We tried to have they tried to have it both ways, being on Earth and then Asgard. Yeah. And they should have just picked one. And our Asgard's 
so much more interesting right. than Earth mm-hmm. at this point. Well, it's like, yeah, like I like Lady Sif in this movie, but like she gets like nothing to do. Like I wish Jamie Alexander, who we sh- I share a birthday with, it. Uh, oh. <laughs> random random fact for y'all. Uh, I just wish like they got more to do instead of like really forcing that you know love triangle between Sif, Thor, and Jane. It's just like yeah, I, I mean, didn't like that. Come either. on, like. <laughs> I mean, I think I think their chemistry, like between Natalie Portman and Chris Hemsworth, is fine, but it's nothing. It's nothing special. Like it's no Tony and Pepper or Peggy and Cap or any other that are kind of. There's just there's just moment, too many moments in the movie with between them though that I feel like uh, Natalie Portman just plays it too. Like I, I don't know if it's her. It's not really her fault. It's just like you know the moment where they're just in Asgard. She's just like looking at him. <laughs> right. She just like wants to kiss him all the time. It's just like that yeah. kind of stuff got a little old. Well, but... I, th- I think original. Well, originally Patty Jenkins was supposed to direct this movie before Alan yeah. Taylor. Uh, she left. Alan Taylor came on. Yep. And when Patty Jenkins was on board, uh, I believe that Jane was supposed to be more involved in the plots. And yeah, she was just Ed kind Portman. of a damsel with the. Right, she's more. What, she's like. She's, she's basically the MacGuffin. Yeah. Because yeah, she has Aether inside of her, and so um, once Patty Jenkins left, Portman was obviously upset, and so I think whether or not I don't think she necessarily That's phoned in she... a performance, but like she probably just like eh, whatever. I'm no, on I mean, my way out. I mean, she's fine in the movie. <laughs> it's just like I don't like the way they make her character all googly eyed all the time. Yeah. Just like she's only there to like slap Thor in the face for you know. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, I mean, yeah. that's what Amanda kind of said, too. She's just like, Jane falls flat. Dark elves feel like they lack much motivation. So, um, But she does like Loki faking his death. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Which, yeah, I do, it's too. It's one of those <gasps> moments. Yeah, I would agree, too, with the dark elves th- or the elves thing she just said. Um, I just think the design was cool. That's yeah, no, I, 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 I think, I think <laughs> so, too. Like, I think you could, honestly, probably the best part of Thor the Dark World is like the opening well not the whole opening Show but like showing the war they're, they're yeah, showing the original cool. war but then also like showing like when uh, Thor gets to I don't remember what the realm is but when he gets to the realm and he has to fight like the other version of Korg like, the other, mm-hmm. like that kind of oh, like that wow, kind of stuff that. that kind of stuff is like where it's at, it, it's fun and it's lively and then it's yeah. like once alright let's get back to Earth it's like oh, why mm-hmm. <laughs> and then even on Asgard it's like eh, I don't really care that much right and then it kind of dips into like even though, Why are there spaceships in this movie? And right. You're kind of like, all right, I guess we're out of here. But Renee Russo is Frigga. She is great in this mm-hmm. movie, which is just like, oh, why'd you have to kill her? Yep. But it happens. So uh, we'll move on to our number 18, this one being Iron Man 2. Uh, Colton, you are a, actually a defender of this movie. <laughs> I really am. You have it up at 12. Yes. So it just why stems are... from my enjoyment. Uh, Sam Rockwell <laughs> is uh, great as Justin Hammer. He is. Um, yeah, the, uh, Mickey Rourke as the villain is probably the weakest point of the movie with Whiplash. Yeah. Um, but I, I, the humor is so good in it. Like, there's still so many lines that I love in this movie. Like the racing scene where with the uh, Vanity Fair, that <laughs> stuff still gets me every time I watch it. And then, yeah, just the just the interplay between Sam Rockwell and you know our Justin Hammer and Tony Stark. Yeah, is she's she's so doing great. a spread on me. Yeah. yeah, she did one on me last yeah, year. That, yeah. yeah, that was the one I was referring to. But yeah, just like. Their their back and forth banter that they have, where he's just like, "Oh, he's the worst man," and they're like, <laughs> right. and they're like shaking hands, just like all the humor just like works so well for me. Um, that's it's just my enjoyment of it. Like oh. from the first time I saw, it, like I still, I still uh, get excited when I you know pop it in again when I'm doing a rewatch of the MCU. So that's why it's my number twelve. Right. Like I don't think it's not a movie that I hate or anything. It's just that in in terms of like you mentioned earlier, like there's not a movie that you necessarily despise yeah. from MCU. Like I still enjoy myself watching Iron Man 2, which may be, you know, 
not what a lot of other people would say because it's like, oh, it's just it's caught up in moving the MCU forward, not focusing on the story at hand. And I, I mean, I, I would kind of disagree. I mean, we get Black Widow, which yes does progress the MCU towards offense towards mm-hmm. um, the Avengers, but it's also she gets like I mean, a really Rhodes, great introduction. Don Cheadle, Don Cheadle coming I, in as Rhodes. I, I like. Him. I did not really like him in the role until Iron Man three. Yes, but um, that's fair. I still like. Like yeah, his some of his scenes I didn't really like. His motivation, like I gotta stop this party type thing. I don't think they like dug into that enough he, to get you to care. He felt more like a buzzkill. Yeah, coming, than anything. Because yeah. it's like we're like new roadie. What? And then you're like, oh, he's here to ruin. Then he the just party. takes the suit. Like yeah, his best moments come in the end when they're right. Fighting the final together. fight. Yeah. Yeah. But totally. I mean, yeah, that's. Probably the biggest knock with him is just I didn't like the way they wrote his character and in this one. The story is is, is, is as erratic as Tony's behavior. Too. Yeah, the, the story like, is all over the place. Oh, I'll, I'll admit, but and like there's a there's a there's a clear thread that they present at the beginning. And it's up oh, the world saved, and it's like okay, that's <laughs> our that's we're starting with that, which is kind of cool. It's a victory lap. It's right. a victory lap for the first Iron Man movie in like, uh-huh. a lot of ways. We did it <laughs> yeah, exactly. We have a successful. Like that movie had all of its problems, mm-hmm. but it still did gangbusters at the box office, whatever the case is. And then we get to this, and they're like, "Oh, we don't know what to do now because he's just basically said world peace is arrived or whatever." The ca- and and mm-hmm. then they go to the Rourke, but then at the same time, it's just like, "Well, all of this just seems like it's too coincidental." And then they're trying to shoehorn in the um disease as mm-hmm. well as you know the avengers stuff and that's mm-hmm. why it warbles a little bit there but also seeing nick fury on screen is cool yeah also just black widow too just that fight scene she has no yeah. way is like she's great highlight. Yeah. Um, but i also like getting to still see the uh the billionaire the billionaire more side of uh Tony yeah. stark like he's still kind of like that cocky like arrogant guy where mm-hmm. the opening when he's like battling with senator stern rest in peace gary shanling mm-hmm. um that's right. where he's just like uh, you know, yeah, he's just like he's just like so looking great. around, and he's just like not yeah. paying attention. He's just like, "Oh, sorry, what'd you say, dear?" And <laughs> just like as as oh, messy let, as let, the let script me hack is, the, like, yeah, like, as messy as the script is, I still think it's really it's just so many good quips in them. It's, it's yeah. everything I would ever ma- ever want someone I'd like to say in, to senators in Congress. <laughs> so I I do have to say I love that. Well, I mean, like to your point, like to your point, of like it jumping around a lot. Like th- this movie was hastily it hastily came together like it was like oh wait iron man was a like almost a 600 million dollar movie at the box office like mm-hmm. oh my gosh like we have to get another one out asap and they were you know filming and, and writing on all right the avengers and also and also yeah. set up all the avengers stuff so like like there's the captain america shield easter egg there's the setup for colson going to um new mexico to find thor's hammer so like there's a lot of yeah there is a lot of mcu setup but i also think that there's still enough story for tony stark figuring out how to solve and find the next element that can you know help cure him and like yeah. i think i think there's enough of him still being the billionaire but also sp- showing his genius intellect but also still being the hero showing his heart a little bit more that like i think there's still a fulfilling arc for tony by the end of it so i still enjoy it but yeah it's not yeah when you, when you rank it against other mc movies it's like it kind of pales in comparison the progression for tony stark isn't discover a new element that that's not a good you know move for his character um they try to like we're like oh they try to work in a thing with his father but that doesn't really quite get there either well then let's move on to our number uh let's see that would be 17 17. 
Uh, that being Ant-Man, a movie that deals heavily with family as well. Uh, this one, Paul Rudd coming in and uh, Peyton Reed steps in to direct after Edgar Wright left the project after spending years developing it. Um, as much as I think that movie could be something special, maybe more special than this first Ant-Man, I think this is um, you know, a fine movie. This is a, a very enjoyable film, but it's nothing that really, um, at that point in the MCU's time, where it's just like, it, it, it felt very familiar and more predictable. I'm like, yeah, I like the size changing elements of it, but um, I think I needed a little bit more difference for it to really stand out to me at this point. Yeah, this feels kind of low to me. Number 17? Yep. Yeah, you have it. Uh, I have it at 14. Yeah, Amanda has it at 13. So you guys are more in the same boat. Me and Colton um, I, are both a little lower on it. I agree that it's not, you know, the best thing ever and it had its issues, but at the same time, it's really the first, second, second genre movie done inside of the MCU. Yeah, it's, a, tr- it's a true heist yeah. movie, but it's also comedy. And- exactly. And Paul Rudd as the man in the middle, the Ant-Man in the middle, if you will, <laughs> it, you know, is like you can't help but be charmed by everything here it's rougher around the edges than its um sequel but all of that there is terrific and then you bring in michael douglas who is the perfect grumpy old dude for this whole thing like i actually just kind of like laugh anytime i see him because it's so funny that he's involved in marvel movies like this (laughs) it is kind of crazy like yeah i feel like he'd be the one of the old guys being like no Marvel is not really a movie or something like that, you know? And there he is. And it's like, what? Yeah. And because he's also just, you know, so iconic and all the, all of those other things. Um, but then you get into, you know, that high, those heist mentalities mm-hmm. and then his daughter, obviously. And that whole dynamic there just makes this movie a little bit more personal. I'd agree. It's n- not as great, but at the same time, you know, you, it man gives you, family feelings mm-hmm. rather than just kind of like you know punch in the face laughs or anything like that right yeah. which i mean i think maybe the biggest take up for me is uh also i think i like yellow jacket to a degree and i think Corey Stoll gives a, a good crazy performance as yeah. the villain <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, as darren cross but i also think that like we, we there he's not as developed as um I th- even think some of the more like standard Marvel villains. He's not Obadiah Stane. He's not Jeff no. Bridges. No, he's not. He's not. He's no Killmonger. He's no Thanos. He's no Red Skull. Like he is. He is more of just a bland. Just like I hate Hank Pym because he didn't uh, train me. And yeah, he's like the daddy ah, issues. Eh, okay, <laughs> little thin, but uh, I mean, I'll accept it for being a villain. I guess so. Mm-hmm. Like I think I just need a little bit more there. But I think the parts where it gets a lot of points. Um, is with the high stuff with is with the introducing of size changing, but also it's the movie that introduced the quantum realm, which could be a very big part of the MCU moving forward. Which not necessarily is great for this individual movie's plot, but like seeing the quantum realm, Scott's moment of you know going from small to big again, um, it's it's cool. And you mentioned uh, his daughter Cassie, Abby, played by Abby Ryder Fortson. Oh yeah, she is just so good. Um, and their chemistry is just phenomenal. It's ugly. I love it. I love and then, it, like, yeah. runs off at the birthday party is just, <laughs> yeah, it's like one of those unexpected lines. And you're like, oh, they have a great relationship. And being opposed to, like, the stepdad type of a thing is perfect. Yeah. And that really grows in the second movie, which we'll talk to talk about <laughs> eventually. Um, but Amanda wanted to say that uh, she likes it kind of like Josh did for it being a genre bender. Um, 
and that she recommends it to people who necessarily don't like superhero movies um, because it doesn't necessarily feel like one. It feels like a heist comedy um, instead of being more superhero and that she likes the wit, the charm, um, and everything else that it maintains. But she wants some other things uh, from the franchise where Ant-Man and the Wasp will give her. So we'll talk about those as we move forward. Um, But now we get into our number 16 movie, Thor. The original Thor um, came out in 2011. Chris Hemsworth plays the Asgardian god of thunder, introduces us to Asgard. And I think just not only for Thor, but as you look at how our list has progressed so far, with Thor being at 16, Thor the Dark World being 19, uh, it's not a great beginning to this franchise. And I think it's one that's almost kind of not forgettable, but it doesn't do a great job of showing you why Thor is kind of this great godlike character that you should really be all in for, mainly because I think they're also still trying to figure out who Thor can be and who Chris Hemsworth is as an actor. Like, mm-hmm. going into this movie, he's he's the, the good-looking, super tall, buff guy that just, like, has the leading man physique, and that's what you're going to sell the movie on, his good looks. And it's not until later on in the franchise they're like, wait a minute, Chris Hemsworth's funny. <laughs> like, yes. let's lean into this a little more. And I think they have much better results, which we'll get to. But uh, the first Thor, I still think I like it. Um, I, I like it the most of us. I have it actually at 13. So coming in at 16, a little low for me. But uh, Josh, you have it at 15. Colton's at 17. Amanda's at 16. So I'm the outlier here. Um, but I think, I, I don't know, I, I like the fish out of water element of it that works for this first movie where yes. he comes in, I want another. And he, you know, he, right. cry, he, he just destroys the coffee mug or, you know, him trying to go buy a, a pony to ride in the pet store. <laughs> yes. And like, you know, like he just does all of those like things where he's like that, like that's good. And like mm-hmm. Colson's involved a lot. And I love Colson. Yep. Um, I think the Jane Thor dynamic works a lot better in this first movie than does yes. Thor the dark world as well. Um, and I just, even when like, the uh when sif and the uh, other warriors three come to earth and they're like oh they're cosplayers and they, right. they, they get a time to shine but then there's also the battle um with loki um against lofi and the uh i can't think of their names right now but the giant ice people and uh the frost, frost giants, giants geez. Yeah. um and like that like that's a good battle but then like there's just like you know i think it maybe needs a little more but also tom hiddleston's loki a lot of time to shine in this movie and uh does a really good job yeah, and I'll say this. It's it's saving grace is the everything that happens on Earth. Kat Dennings is funnier. She's allowed to like, you know, introduce pop culture mm-hmm. to this like, you know, world. They're like, "Hey, Thor, Facebook." And we're like, "Facebook is so cool. And it's not going <laughs> to ruin the world." And, you know, like all these funny things are going on like when Shield shows up and steals their stuff. Like I still laugh about it every time. They also took my iPod, you know. Yeah. <laughs> and they clearly have more bigger issues. And like that's that's where it's hilarious and it's fun but everything else that Ken and Brother done and like he it just it is too Shakespearean it's too self-serious uh and you know in the light of everything we know now it's just kind of like yeah that's not really that cool that's not yeah. that interesting At, like, it just after Ragnarok it just kind of feels like a wasted opportunity in a way I think that's why I bumped it down right. but up until that point I I really enjoy the first Thor I still do yeah but yeah, like even like when you look at it though, in terms of like comparing it to Iron Man, with Iron Man two that had come before it, mm-hmm. there's a lack of self seriousness to those. Yeah, but Thor's like, no, this is this is ancient times, and we need to be <laughs> yeah. very I careful just... with all of this. And they speak in those like heightened accents. Right, we're like they go for the Shakespearean yes, stuff, and it's exactly. just like I get that's where like your background is, Kenneth Branagh, and like you can kind of apply that to the Asgardian mentality. They've been along for they've the been Nordic around for lore. right, but it's mm-hmm. just like it it doesn't work super I, well i didn't really 
love the look of this movie either. Nah. I think it gets too dark in places. Like, not the tone, but, like, the actual, like, picture on the yeah. screen. Yeah, in the <laughs> like, Frost Giant domain. Yeah, exactly. Sure. The like, to where the point of where you can end, barely yeah. see anything going on. Um, and, I don't know, just the, the why I have it lower, like, at 17 for me personally is um, it just feels like the fights seem kind of underwhelming to me. Like, I don't want to base it just on that, but, like, the story's kind of, like, a been there, done that plot. Um, I been- do like the Loki dynamic mm-hmm. and stuff. I like when he's on Earth, but, like, the whole fight with... Uh, the destroyer, yeah, the yeah. destroyer. It's his... just kind of, yeah, like it's it it probably has it's like the worst scene. action maybe of any MCU yeah. movie. Just because I don't think again, like they don't know how to play Thor as a character. I don't think they also know yet how to use him in an action sequence. Like mm-hmm. they're still figuring out how how do we use a guy a guy with that super strong that can fly but also has a hammer, right? Like he just swings a couple of times. And that, mm-hmm. That's that's your fight, and then obviously as I think even Thor the Dark World has much better action than yeah. uh, the first Thor. And then when we get to Ragnarok, I think Watiti unlocks a lot of uh, the greatness that Thor yep. can have. Um, and I think Amanda really just echoes a lot of what we said, mainly that she just says that, uh, you know, the rewatchability factor of it, you know, kind of keeps it lower for her because it's just, it doesn't have enough, you know, great qualities to it. That you're like, oh, I, I need to watch Thor again because I need to see this theme because yeah. it just doesn't have those. So uh, then we get into our number 15. So those are our bottom five. And we are now a quarter of the way through the list. And coming in at number 15 is Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2. Uh, this movie, Josh, you look a little surprised. Mainly yeah, because is, you have it at 11. I You're the highest of the four. It's it's good, guys. It is good. What is it? What is wrong with you? Where would you put it, Colton? It's uh, 16 for me. Oh, my. It's 16. Oh. Colton has it lowest. Amanda has it 15. I have it at 14. So. Oh, no, no, no. <laughs> it's no, just, I think no, it's more no. so coming after the first one. Yeah. And also, there's just way too much exposition for me. There's, ba- but okay, that's okay. Kurt Russell exposes like, yeah, it's two not, minutes, three uh, minutes. I feel like he, the whole time they're on his planet. I like. cannot believe Baby Groot is being disrespected. <laughs> well, like I love Baby Groot. Baby I love Groot's Rocket great. in this movie. I love Rocket and Yondu's relationship. Yes. Um, I lo- there's a lot to love about this movie. And the soundtrack just, is incredible. It, it hit, is, yeah, I actually... It is more, this is kind... I actually kind of like the soundtrack better. The more is, I watch it than the first one. It's it, more attuned to yeah. the movie than the first one. The right. chain. Fleetwood the cha- Man, yeah, yeah, the, the, the chain. Every, every time. It's Father just like chills. Father and Son is great. Um, Summer Nights... Yeah, a little, I, I I would actually agree with you. Like, there's I a mean, lot of moments. It is, I don't think it, yeah. the uh, Uga Chaka song obviously became yeah. iconic for Guardians. <laughs> of course, it, it played with the first Guardians two trailer for crying out loud. Yes, but I do think that Gun created a more well rounded and actually a, a soundtrack that actually played better for the actual movie itself, um, and kind of factors into the movie more. Like, I just, you get to open with Blue Sky with that great dance number with Groot mm-hmm. and. The the music actually feels more of an actual part of the movie instead of just like, all right, here's a fun you know piece of music to listen to as you fly through space. Yes, it's like he's like the first time he scored it. I know he didn't do it like this, but like he scored the first one with it. Mm-hmm. But this time he wrote it in. Right, which I mean he wrote yeah like you said like he wrote in for both. Yes, like he, he planned ahead. But you but could feel you it can here. feel it better here. Yeah, there's like a, but there's with the dialogue there's a lot of stuff uh, moments in the movie where it just kind of took me out of it a little bit like to the where like i don't know how to also explain this but like the opening scene with with gamora where she's like yeah we got to get these batteries because of this like she's ex- expositioning like right away right yeah. from the get-go like the the exposition is just like too much in your face 
for me. Like that's like my biggest knock on the movie. But see, for for me and I, Amanda agrees that I think the the humor is maybe too too. The humor is too much too. Yes, Drax. Yeah, like he, a, his, some of his stuff works, but it gets over the top. With I, him. I think that just like laughing way too much. The, the, like all the characters. The first Guardians yeah. hits that perfect point with Drax, where he yeah. is. He is literally Drax the Destroyer, and you feel that threat of him. Yeah, he's just a and joke in this, in this one. this one, I call him Drax the Jokester yeah. from here on out because he is more jokey than he is action guy. It's yeah. because he's learned to be a jokester. So he's like, well, oh, things are funny. Now I will be funny because that's what but people like. But the funny part about him in that first Guardians movie is like it all goes – it goes over his head. Nothing goes over my head. I'm, my reflexes are too quick. Right. I catch it. Yeah, like that's what makes him great. Not oh my nipples. And yeah, <laughs> just the like, best. Right. The best ah. stuff with Drax comes with him, like him and Mantis, uh, between the two. Yes, like where he's like, where he's like calling her ugly and stuff. That's like yeah. And he's like, where he's like <laughs> yeah. He's like just the imagining being with you physically. <laughs> yeah, but no, like that's that's a really good point. That's another thing that just kind of took me out of it is when they're constantly laughing at their own jokes. It's kind of reminds me of like an Adam Sandler Kevin James type movie. <laughs> no, okay. this is this is not you. not to that level of no, badness. That even even the comparison. But no, that's what it makes me think of. Compared to this podcast or something, but not Kevin yeah. James. <laughs> I'm just saying like they're always laughing at their own jokes. That's kind of what it felt like for some of it. James uh, Gunn didn't oh no why I, I don't want to end it there because I feel like we've been too negative on this yeah, movie. Yeah, no, it's good. I I really enjoy it. Kurt yeah. Russell is Kurt, in Kurt, a Marvel movie. Kurt Russell is is really good. He's but very like, good. Yeah, I, I love the fact that they went full ego and put his face on a mm-hmm. on an actual living planet. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think there's a lot of really good stuff there between him and Quill. And um, I even I, I like I didn't love it at first because I was like Quill, Quill, you're kind of an idiot. Like obviously, like you're pushing Gamora away when she's telling you literally what is going to happen. Like yeah. he's he is not what he seems. You shouldn't trust him. He's just like, why are you trying to rip my family away? And he's just like, she's like, I thought we were your family. And I was like, oh, gosh, dang it, Quill. Mm-hmm. Just setting up how all the dumb mistakes he's going to make in Infinity War, I guess. Uh, right. <laughs> <He's just> <laughs> not really. Uh, yeah. But like, but, like, it does do a good job of continuing to set up all these characters. Like, I feel like even if the comedy is too heavy or there's too much exposition um, or even, like, the Sovereign are a little thin from a villain standpoint, mm-hmm. um, it does enough with – Making you really, really care about Yondu to the fact where when he dies in this movie, like you may not be completely crying, but like you are definitely feeling it. Mm-hmm. And I think that is a huge testament because yeah. that first movie, it's like, oh, Michael Rooker, he does a fun performance, but like he's not like that great character. This one, him and Rocket get that time to bond and become yeah. so inseparable where when the movie ends with a digitally created raccoon crying that's how that's the last thing you see in this movie and it's because he lost a blue alien with a fin for, on his head um and that's the one that he's like i already i already lost a friend today i can't lose another he's talking about yondu like that's the guy he lost and uh it, i think it does a really good job of selling that death making you feel it and then the the payoff of it i, I honestly think yondu is probably my favorite part of this movie so it does do a lot of good it's just again when you stack him up against other things it's like eh, i mean it's it, it's just not better than this movie. I suppose, but we'll wait till I get to talk about those other movies that you guys put ahead of it. <laughs> well, I mean, I I mean, for instance, I put Thor one spot ahead of it, which is which we just talked about. Which I think Thor just does a little bit better of a job 
Um, I was right there setting up think, that first world. I think Guardians has way better rewatchability. What, than me. what did Amanda say though? Uh, Amanda agreed with uh, us, me and Colton, basically saying it's a fun time, great universe, but humor felt too predictable. It is one that makes me cry every time. So honorable mention for that. So, so what's next? Okay, <laughs> we'll move on to uh, the other sequel, another second one in the franchise, and one that's the most recent, uh, oh. actually, of the MCU. Ant-Man and the Wasp comes in here at 14. Uh, this one is actually Amanda has the highest at 12. She said, funny, empowering, felt high stakes, and the end credit scene is a punch in the gut. Because of where it lands in the timeline, it feels a smidge out of place but I might feel differently post end game. So um, I kind of, uh, I, I actually really agree with what she's saying that like it is. And when she, in her Ant-Man statement, she was saying that like more hope and more Luis in the sequel mm-hmm. is also a huge bump. And I like completely agree, like hope and how Ant-Man kind of doesn't know what to do with Evangeline Lily. Cause it's like, look, she's fully capable and ready to be a hero, but yeah. we can't use her yet. And it's like, why not <laughs> it's like oh well so she come in for ant-man the wasp and just totally kick butt and be probably the best part of the movie mm-hmm. and i love that movie i love this movie for that reason getting to see a lot more of her uh getting to see more of ant-man and that world grow out more of the quantum realm um michelle pfeiffer comes in for like three seconds um and that's cool um yeah. but like ghost really cool villain from a, a visual perspective i love the effect they do and i think hannah john came in does uh, a, a a decent job with her performance but there's i don't think there's enough there um to add enough layers for her character i would say right rather than her but yeah so like i think the movie is is uh is good i have it at 15 so i'm, I'm the lowest of the bunch um Josh, you have it at 13 and Colin's at 14. So we're all kind of in that same range again. Like, mm-hmm. I think this is the one thing about the MCU as we continue to move forward. Like, there's obvious groupings, I think. It's just more of like, all right, well, where does this rank for you in this grouping? Um, but Ant Man the Wasp, any thoughts? Yeah, just such a great time. I don't really have any knocks against the movie um, that I can think of off the top of my head. It's just, um, other than you said about the, the villain could have been a little more fleshed out. But at the same time, I wasn't really thinking that when I was watching the movie. Mm-hmm. I was just like, it was like funnier, I think, than the first one. Um, Randall Park. Oh, <laughs> you didn't yes. mention him, but he's great. He is um, great. <laughs> I'll see you around. Uh, I really liked where. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you want to get something to eat? Or, you know, but I um, just like from the get go uh, with like showing how uh, Scott like uses his time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. While, while in house arrest and just that oh, whole interplay yes. of him like trying to sneak out and mm-hmm. you know do hero work and stuff and then yeah the wasp what a great character mm-hmm. you know i i loved evangeline lily before this and just seeing her more of the spotlight was you know awesome yeah yeah well, i triple down on everything you said michelle pfeiffer flawless ageless like 10 minutes no not even 10 not minutes. even 10 two it's, minutes it's less than minutes five. Oh, not to mention sure. the scenes where she's like it like oh where, where Scott, paul like, rudd is playing her yeah. yeah oh man that is brilliant stuff mm-hmm. it's so funny <laughs> and like all the way through though uh like by the end of it i'm just like michelle pfeiffer was like the best part of this movie and, <laughs> oh uh, the action scenes too not to mention that like that whole hopes. like car chase and the boat yeah. and everything is so good yeah absolutely and like the three-way the three-way chase dynamic like everyone after the same object mm-hmm. is super fun yeah it's, it's got that ticking clock element which yeah, exactly. is, is really good for a heist movie not exactly midnight run but close to it enough that you get like this 
we all got to go for this type right. of oh, you know what actually Indiana Jones is the best comparison which the him Scott and Cassie are playing basically <laughs> on their own when the movie opens it's the most tender and sweet thing um in all of Marvel ever and she's only become and that, that relationship only becomes so much stronger Michael Pena and his entire group mm-hmm. is even more funny this time around especially with the what's up you know <laughs> gameplay and what's things up? like that uh <laughs> And, you know, I don't know. This just it doubles down on everything that made Ant-Man good mm-hmm. and takes it to its, like, final conclusion, you know, really. Or at least its best conclusion, I think. Mm-hmm. I mean, it can, they can do more and be fine. More Judy Greer mm-hmm. in the MCU is, and Randall Park, you know, for that matter, uh, would be always good. <laughs> right. So all of us consensus uh, had Ant-Man and the Wasp rated higher than Ant-Man. I had it two spots above. Uh, Josh and Colton both had it one spot above, but Amanda fell on the biggest leap uh, with four spots. So wait, what with Ant Man? Yeah, I had it four spots. Did you? Yeah, I did. But Ant-Man she had 18. it higher than you. Yeah, I don't know what that means, but it's just. Oh, sorry. Yeah, out. sorry. You were the one that had highest. Amanda had it uh, with Josh at one. I got the columns oh. mixed oh. around. So, but still, the fact stands: we all thought Ant Man the Wasp is an improvement on Ant-Man, which is a good thing That's for a good sequel. That's good, because I hear a lot of people say the first one's better. So, there are some people who think Ant-Man's the best MCU movie, and I'm just mm-hmm. like... Hey, it's fine. That, that is an opinion that I do not what agree like? with, yeah. but I can understand like the, the feel-good w- nature of it and getting lost in that story. I want to read an essay on that. I, I mean, sh- a I'm Thomas sure, the sure Train blowing there. up somebody's house, though, <laughs> is epic. It is. The, the sizing cool stuff effect. is great. Uh, but moving on to number 13, this is one that... Uh, I feel is underrated and uh, is signified by my ranking of a number nine, but it comes out as a number 13 is Dr. Strange coming in here. Um, this is one that I think does um, opposite of Ant-Man where it is that same kind of origin feel where like, Oh, this feels like the first Iron Man or the feels yep. like the first cap from a story perspective. But the element of magic, the element of um, how they introduce that into the world, the visual effects of it. And I think that is where Dr. Strange goes above and beyond. Oh yeah. And uh, really I think sets itself apart as being for me, uh, not a complete top tier MCU movie, but like right there at the top of the second tier. And uh, I think it's just a, a really nice movie. Benedict Cumberbatch comes in, does I think a really good job. Mm-hmm. I think, I mean, I don't disagree with the criticisms, but well, how come he couldn't just keep his British accent? I, I have nothing to say about that. Okay. <laughs> uh, but there are people who are like, he could have just been British and it would have fixed his, some people don't like his American accent. It's like, I mean, I think it's, it, fine. it's fine. How do you judge someone's American accent? I don't know. You would only do that if you knew he was British. Right. right. And it's yes. like, yeah, like I think it would work, but we also get great interplay between him, Benedict Wong. Um, yeah, Rachel t- McAdams too. Rachel McAdams yeah. is, mm-hmm. is really solid. Mads Mikkelsen, uh, not he's just unimportant. He is, he is not the greatest villain, but like he matches up well against him. Fight scenes, though, he is, so. <laughs> but like from a character perspective, yeah. that that's you probably done the more weakest. With Mads Mikkelsen in your movie, you know? right? But still, so, I mean, yeah. I like that they dedicate a lot of time to Chewetelezia for so that way. If yeah. we get a Doctor Strange sequel, mm-hmm. Baron Mordo's uh, turn to be an evil will make a lot of sense, and they'll feel right and it'll feel like yeah, I understand why he's doing this. Um, yeah, maybe Tilda Swinton shouldn't have been cast as the ancient one, but. I don't think there's anything inherently wrong with her performance. And she does, I think, a solid job of really, you know, doing a lot of things um, that I think are, are cool. Like her, her teaching of Strange. Oh, and yeah. um, I th- But really, Doctor Strange is just the – it's the visual aspect of it for me that's just like mm-hmm. – so I, I can I can watch the And, it, I mean, it's a little newer, so maybe it's, I haven't hit that point where I'm like, yeah, I don't need to rewatch it as much. But um, I – 
all the visual stuff where the buildings are warping on top of each other, like Inception, and they're yep. going into all these different dimensions, and the fight with Dormammu uh, is so clever. The <laughs> yeah. time loop that uh, is the fact that you get to see Benedict Cumberbatch get killed mm-hmm. like a I dozen told you times. Before the movie. Just like that is wild. <laughs> it's a funny montage. So, he asked me like how it was, and I was like, "Doctor Strange dies." Yeah, <laughs> and I was like, ha, "Good one." <laughs> yeah. And I was like, oh wait, you were kidding. <laughs> he dies times. multiple times, but uh, yeah, I mean, Amanda said uh, she has it at fourteen, so she is the second lowest of us. But she said that uh, she admits that this is probably objectively really good um, and better than some of the movies that she maybe has uh, Got it. lower, mm-hmm. but she just doesn't find it as enjoyable. Um, so I, know, I, mean, I think I think that's uh, totally fine. Like it that kind of was where this kind of list comes from. So. It's almost like a tragedy type movie all the way through, even though you do get some levity with um and you know, uh, with Wong, with Wong, but also Rachel McAdams, you know, kind of upliftingness, you know, near the end there. But when you get to the end, you're just kind of like, okay, that's it. The best part of it is just when Thor pops up in the end. You're like, hey, that's Thor, right? <laughs> and then from there on, we go. Yeah. Cole, any thoughts on Doctor Strange? Oh, I I actually really enjoyed this. I almost had it higher on my list. Um, yeah, you have it right there with me at 10. Yeah, I almost had it up two spots. Oh, okay. But, um, yeah, just every – like, I always kind of – yeah, I feel like I underrate this one because every time I just kind of – oh, yeah, that was that was a fine movie. Mm-hmm. Then I'll rewatch it and I'll be like, wow, that was, you know, really, really good. Mm-hmm. And then, yeah, this is kind of my thoughts on it. So I'll, I didn't want to shortchange it, so I put it there at number 10. Okay. But, um, yeah, I got really nothing wrong with it other than, like, yeah, a couple of the villains or one note, like, a lot of movies but yeah like it is um, it is kind of crazy that like you know i can say it's my number nine but then i'm like yeah. but like when strange shows up in infinity war he is just like so much better <laughs> yes yeah, that's, like, that's yeah, kind of the, so weird <laughs> that's kind of the thing that they do with some of these heroes like we'll get into captain america in a little mm-hmm. bit but like he pro- progressively will get better when they kind of fully realize his potential but yeah i mean nothing really too uh bad to say about dr strange benedict cumberbatch great in the role yep. um it's kind of like right on the nose <laughs> casting there but um, yeah, him and Rachel McAdams, uh, great interplay between the two. Yeah. Um, so we'll move on to our number 12, which is one that uh, is maybe a bit controversial uh, because there's some polar opposite opinions on this one. Josh has it at 19, and Amanda has it as her three. Oof. Colton's got it at 11, and I've got it at 16. Uh, this is Avengers Age of Ultron coming in at 12. Uh, I'll read Amanda's statement here because yeah, she that- starts off by saying, this will ruffle, ruffle feathers, fight me. This was my number one MCU movie for years until Ragnarok and Infinity War knocked it down. I actually ranked it second, but I admit Infinity War is a better movie. I'm just really passionate about uh, Avengers Age of Ultron. It's by far my most rewatched MCU movie. The character development is really important in the movie, guys. It sets up the tension between Cap and Tony that we need to get for Civil War to get us into Infinity War to get us to Endgame. The appearance of Wanda is what truly catastrophically sets up Tony's anxiety and PTSD. I could talk about... Uh, I, talk, I could talk for many pages about why Bruce and Nat are not a random out-of-the-blue romance, but actually a really natural expression of their own individual traumas and personalities. Also, again, Bruce and Hulk are my favorite, and I love seeing so much depth for Bruce. Uh, Vision is a really classic kind of comic book archetype, and Age of Ultron was the first time a character like him got to shine, setting him up for a really awesome character development in Civil War and Infinity War. In terms of universe connection, Age of Ultron is the prime example for characters who exist in a real space, only outpaced by Civil War, in my opinion. Age of Ultron deals with the aftermath of the Avengers, both for individual heroes and the world. Essentially, the rest of the MCU timeline falls apart without Age of Ultron. 
I kind of agree with statements. that. Statements. Actually. But I don't disagree. There's, there's one thing I think I would slightly fight about, and that's the whole Bruce Banner. I I, gr- I agree with like how it's nat- it would naturally be there. Mm-hmm. I just don't think they – it just felt kind of thrown in to okay. me. But I'm not going to argue that it's like unnecessary. Right. Like I actually think that – I think it, it does add more in future movies mm-hmm. uh, between the two. Um, so I guess overall I'm glad it's there. Right. Like, you, like I think I, – I don't agree with her obviously putting it at number three. But yeah. I think her – obviously the MC would fall apart without it because the stories that it sets up mm-hmm. um, are important. I think that's the biggest criticism of the movie. My um, biggest criticism of the movie is all the attention they give to Hawkeye. What? No, no. that's the best part. That's what. Like, that, see, that's this is where what? like I fight. I do, I oh, don't attack everything. Yeah, with that. exactly. Okay, yes. Attack um, this is the biggest thing. Okay, Hawkeye. They just he's. I I don't hate Hawkeye. He's mm-hmm. just not that interesting to me compared to the other guys, like all the other superheroes you got. And when they try to dedicate that much time to giving him to care about him more i just it didn't work that's for me the most interesting thing about heroes is who they are <laughs> when they're not heroes that's why Peter no it's Parker fine i just so didn't cool. think like i didn't care enough and you talk about setup if yeah. we didn't get his family here we would ha- we would have no motivation for why he's gonna <laughs> become ronin in your endgame i just didn't care enough like i felt like they gave way too much time to hawkeye like throughout the whole movie where he's just like no i don't have a girlfriend and like it's just like little throwaway lines like that and it's just like okay well they're building up for this and him to have a family and stuff I, and then um just like how they focus on him at the end with his bow and arrow fighting the robots it was just kind of like cool action scenes but but he's he's the heart at that point he's yeah like, he's the one that motivates See, that's the thing like i wish i wish they would have gone a different you're arguing uh, for linda cartellini to be cut from a movie how not not i, I like her too you? but it's just like I support all your avenging. It just not, it kind of got into campy territory for me. I don't know, man. I, no. that's my that's my campy territory yes. happens with the creation of Vision. Campy territory. No, Vision was with good. Claw Vision was good. Getting his arm ripped off like by Ultron. Campy territory. We got into campy territory with the casting of James Spader. Spader, thank you. I liked him as, as Ultron. Ultron's voice. We got into campy territory like in the opening minutes. Look, I don't hate with the movie. I have heroes. it at eleven. Uh, I, I, you have it at nineteen. I have it at nineteen. So I, I feel like you're saying it's pretty campy. <laughs> it, it's it's pretty campy. It, weirdly, I mean, Avengers itself is. Pretty and I'm campy. saying that the the campiest thing to me about the movie is Hawkeye's like whole plot line. <laughs> no, that being said, that is a genuine. I, uh, see, that's the that's the thing. You're not going to change my mind moment. on this. Well, let, let's hear Josh's uh, criticisms. I I mean, okay, obviously, the. I love the ideas, the like artificial intelligence being the thing they go up against, and that's all really cool. It's rushed too. But then we, it's just we get. Then again, it's like two and a half hours. Jumped so. into it does like, and it happens in the first fifteen yeah. minutes. There's a lot of cool things that we can see, like what do the Avengers do when they're avenging, or when they just finished a great avenge, or you know <laughs> whatever the case is, uh, the noun of avenging, and. That is its strength, is that dynamic. But at the same time, we get these like, all right, here's these egos brushing up against each other again, and it's sort of like the same beat as the first Avengers. Only this time, they drag it out for an hour, <laughs> or 90 minutes this time around. Like, oh, of course the plan went wrong because they didn't learn from their mistakes last time, but they work better together or whatever the case is. And Ultron, just at the end of the day, is not more dangerous or more 
exciting or interesting than Loki or a massive alien army coming uh, out yeah, I don't from agree. the end. Yeah. And then a, a massive crater rising up to, you know, like to send back down into the earth is just so like, that's even more unbelievable than extraterrestrials <laughs> opening up a wormhole in New York city. Uh, so, and I was just kind of like rolling my eyes at this entire thing. And by the time we get to Nick Fury rising above with, you know, the helicarrier, which mm-hmm. is like, oh, great, Nick Fury's back. He got off the tractor. <laughs> but then, you know, it's that, like, I just, like, oh, of course, this is really cliche in a lot of ways. It couldn't have been more cliche if he's like, I'm glad I brought a bigger boat or something like that. <laughs> I feel like that's been, been joke's been made, though. But, know. you know, it its strength is the Hawkeye stuff. It really is. Because <laughs> it's just, like, the slowdown, and we get that like more of the a stark tower interactions with all these characters i don't mm-hmm. really care about nat and banner um they can be together they cannot be together whatever the <laughs> case is it's they haven't really touched it since that's so true doesn't seem like it was that important i mean we'll see if they touch on it i feel like they have to touch on it end game at some point but i mean not unless they kill hulk they can always be like but like right, bruce next. and natasha are now like just living together or not together together but like they're on earth it, Avengers HQ mm-hmm. both at the same time For at least probably all they all, all we saw them say was hey <laughs> that's yeah. all we got in Infinity War it's like I know. you set up a lot <laughs> like yeah that was under a different kind of regime with Joss Whedon but mm-hmm. I feel like somebody's got to pay that off so we'll see where all that lays out I don't right. really care but like you said without the Hawkeye family. We don't I get- like the scenes where their Avengers are together in the house with them. Like I like like that just goes back to like something we've already seen before. You just said it was the worst part. Though. No, the whole I said the worst part is the whole focus on Hawkeye as being the most important oh. center of the movie. They cut his family hugs him. He's like, "This is my secret family." I don't hate it. I'm just saying. And then they cut, and you never see him again. No, no, they can do that. It's just the whole like I no that's the, I, what they I enjoy did. all the scenes with their I just don't like how they have like they focus on Hawkeye during the fights like he's just like hey you're an Avenger now or like th- those scenes are fine but mm-hmm. like to the fact that they just like keep going back to him like he's just a guy sitting here like I know he like even comments on the like just a guy with bow and arrow fighting robots thing. yeah yeah I, I just I think just felt the, like I don't know the defense I think for that isn't even just like uh, character Every- stuff I think it's more of that is Buddy. them. Like that, is, people. that is them going for a way to subvert your expectations because everybody thought no. going into this movie, Hawkeye was going to die, and then when you introduce the family, it's like, yep, you yeah, don't, you see, don't introduce something I do, like that. I do like that aspect of it. And then, they, and then, so they keep showing him in the battle. Mind you, he's around, he's in danger, and then when he ultimately goes for the hero moment, and you're like, yep, this is it. This is what they've been building towards, and then they don't do it. I think that's a great way to build, build, dying, build up his character, yeah. right? Which is like, yeah, it's kind of sad. Like I like, I, kinda, I, I like Entertainer Johnson a lot, um, and I wish we maybe had a speedster in the MCU, but we can get by without it. Like I think Wanda is a much more interesting character. Vision hey, is a I much more interesting character. Character out too. Yeah, like it. The death. Her more complexity. Yeah, it gives her something to fight for. It gives her a reason to, you know, go kill Ultron there at the end, and then for Vision to save her, and that connection to be made, and then them to, you know, start becoming like a thing as we move forward. So I, I think yes, Age of Ultron probably suffers a little bit because it tries to do so much. Like it is not trying to just conclude Phase Two, but is also setting up a lot of movies in phase three it's setting up thor ragnarok it's setting up civil war it's setting up um black panther with you know mentions of you know vibranium and wakanda it's like it's going it's doing so much that it, it kind of i don't think it for me it just doesn't have time to really dive into the specific story at hand 
the Avengers versus Ultron. And that's for me where it goes down to 16 for me. Um, and we'll move on as we wrap up the first part of the MCU ranking episode with our number 11 film. Another one's going to ruffle Josh Daly's feathers. Iron Man 3 comes no. in at number are 11. Are you kidding? I'm not kidding. The ranking right now, where'd you put it? 12. Oh my gosh. Colton, uh, where'd you put And Amanda had it at 17. Oh. So this, this Wait, how's it? Oh, is it one of your favorites? It, it, is, Col- it, is. it is Josh's number four. Really? It is. And you're gonna uh, talk to me about Age of Ultron? Uh, you, what? Are you kidding me? <laughs> Tell me. Well, please, please share why you don't like it, and I'll be utterly silent, and then I'll just first off attack. What did Amanda say? Oh, okay. Amanda said uh, first off, just someone's opinion I respect. Why were the sequels just not very good? Question mark. I think this movie gets a bad rap overall, but it's still not one that holds up in light for the whole franchise. I think it needs a rewatch from me soon, so it may move up the list. But overall, I remember it as underwhelming. So maybe that's one for her that you know would bump up a couple spots if she would have saw it last week. Uh, I, I feel like she has access to it. Um, I will say but, I love the Mandarin twist. Yeah. Thank you. Love it. Yeah. The Mandarin <laughs> twist is great. I love the buddy cop dynamic yes. of yes. it. The humor is um, great. It has my favorite comedy moment in all of a Marvel movie. The, the moment where he like is like breaking through the breaking out <laughs> yeah. of uh, Killian's like. After he's got him captured, and then he just like points his like hand at the guy, and he's just like, "I don't even <laughs> right. <laughs> I just work here. Like I don't like what they do. They're right. They're so insane. weird. Yeah, yeah, they're so weird. Even yeah. yeah, even though that guy is a uh, not a good guy. Uh, yeah, <laughs> oh, we've not? learned this later. Um, of course, but I don't even know who that is. He's but. yeah, he was like the Shane Black friend who was on Predator and caused a bunch of controversy because he's like a registered sex offender or yes, something. Yeah, registered yeah. offender. So, uh, but that anyways, said, that's a funny that is not why <laughs> Iron Man Three is low. And honestly, it's not even low. Like it is. Yeah, it's in my bottom half technically, but I think twelve is respectable for it. Like I don't have the mm-hmm. affinity for it that you do, um, but I still think that uh, Rhodey and, and Tony sequence. being together is is really fun. Um, and honestly, the thing that I love about it the most is that it's largely without an Iron Man. It is yeah. it is Tony the mechanic, mm-hmm. and I love seeing that. I love the dynamic between him and Harley. Um, the the scene where Tony has to break into the Mandarin's mansion is probably my favorite sequence of the movie yeah. because it shows him using his um, ornament bombs and yes. like just doing like his like right. like old like bat his own like Batman impression basically gotcha. and like he's just like he's doing this because he has to and like he doesn't have his fancy suits anymore like he doesn't have the things that's made him a hero he just has his intellect and he can make that work. But the, why is it bad? It's not, I don't think it's bad. I would give yeah. this like a four. Yeah, there's a four like, for me too. But it's just it just falls down a little bit. I, th- I think the final battle is fine, but just like cooking so, in your little turtle so, suit. So many different things like that that suits. Get me down a little bit. Um, it's just a little. It's just a little much. Um, and then when you look at it in the big picture of the MCU, its whole thing is like you know I can remove the, the my I hate my I hate my chest ending. piece and I'm that still Iron Man the and then it's right afterwards. It, it kind of takes it, away it, from it, his they, character. They give it back, so yeah. it's like. But that's not the movie's fault. That's 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 the Russos and the <laughs> that's the Marvel conspiracy trying to paper over the prestige that Shane Black had done. Yeah, you have a number four, so like, praise it, get it all out there. I okay. Well, first of all, it is the best single hero action movie that the MCU has produced. 
Yes, yes. Standalone movie, not one where they marshal nope. $200 million and throw you the Civil War or whatever. Winter the case Soldier, is. baby. Josh, Winter Soldier. <laughs> does, Winter Soldier no. not, does Winter Soldier not count? Winter Soldier is an that, espionage thriller. If you call it an action movie, uh, you're. Uh, oh, so it's okay, got okay. Of so, so you're just discrediting it because you don't think it's a straight up action movie. It's not an action movie. It's, it's got some of the greatest thriller. action scenes I've ever seen. Two gunboats blow up. That's it. And Captain Are America you, throws okay, his we'll shield get to this once or twice. <laughs> listen, <laughs> it is so, listen. You, you yeah. don't know what I know right now, but we'll talk later. Okay. <laughs> it is. It, it, this is a bizarre conversation. That's listen. Happening. The the Iron Legion puts on a fireworks display of explosions, steel, and... They um, all fall apart so whatever easily, though. Whatever energy blasts come out of Tony Stark's cannons. And it is epic. But before that, before we even get to that glorious display of Stark Industries technology, Cooper talked about how we get Agent Tony Stark. And all the PTSD. And, all, and then, yeah, you, we can just rewind all the way back up to this is the first time we see a different Tony Stark mm-hmm. than any of the other movies before it. And it's the one that where we get an explicit focus on him and Pepper's relationship that's not sarcastic or, um, you know, just tone deaf in a lot of ways. She is... Pepper in this movie is better than the Peppers in just about all the other films Mm -hmm. because she's acting with agency in a lot of ways. It's not like, oh, I'm here to comfort you, Tony. It's like, no, get your crap together. Yeah, but then she's also kind of the damsel in distress at the end. And like the plot device, which I don't love. And then Maya Hansen, um, played wonderfully by Rebecca uh, Hall, Hall, like she just doesn't get a lot to do either. And it's just like... I don't know. I think I think it's just missing that extra punch for me. Right. Rebecca Hall's part is really weak. But as a story for Tony Stark from beginning to end mm-hmm. where we open up with like, you know, actions have consequences and like we create our own demons. That yeah. is that is what's one of the most um at least for me anyway, resonant parts of the movie. And you know, in the post Avengers world, you know, having fanboys for Iron Man, you know, after he saves the world and things like that with a tattoo is so funny. And you can go all the way through. And then Ty Simpkins, the only kid we have um, in the MCU, like Ty in there, is terrific. And like, that's like really cool to have like some kid like, you've inspired me. (laughs) Oh, yeah. (laughs) Uh, You know, and it's just, it's just really great classic Robert Downey Jr. where He's showing his range, and he's not just like, oh, I'm sarcastic all the time. <laughs> no, their actions have consequences, and he's dealing with all of those, mm-hmm. um, and not in like an erratic fashion in Iron Man 2 or anything like that. Uh, and, you know, th- then it's the story itself. The twist with the Mandarin is, gra- is great. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not the it, – it misses the mark a little bit, and I think it says some things that, you know, whatever. But – you don't see it coming. It's totally unexpected for a Marvel movie that's like, you know, just introduced aliens, so let's see crazy laser ring guy. No, it's just all a facade, and then we get Guy Pierce on fire, which is kind of lame, but I like it. I mean, you could say, you'll never see me coming. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, you'll never see it coming. Um, but that's why. And then, you know, like you said, there's the buddy comedy action adventure, like Lethal Weapon style with Rhodey and Robert Downey Jr. And that part is terrific. Yeah. So, I mean, that is, 
Iron Man 3, that is our bottom 10. <sighs> that is a long, big question, but that is only part one. So you'll have to come back next week for the second part and get into our top 10 rankings of the MCU. Um, as we answer the big question, how would you rank the MCU from worst to best or some iteration of that question? So on that note, we'll be back um, in future weeks with other episodes as well. Um, in the meantime, be sure to subscribe, retweet, share, everything else you can do online, and then head over to iTunes and, and give us a five-star review with comments telling us why you enjoyed listening to these episodes. Um, but again, in the meantime, be sure to tell us your thoughts on our list, on our rankings, um, on Twitter, at Friends of Film. And you can get at me personally if you want to argue about it, at Movie Cooper and Coops underscore Hoops. And you can get at me, Josh, and just Joshua Ryan. Colton is at at Believe in Blue 88. And thanks again for tuning in to the Offensive Podcast. Josh? Thank you for stopping in, everybody. Colton? I'll see you guys soon. And again, thanks to Amanda for supplying her input as well. She's on Twitter at Call Me Maynard. And in the meantime, we'll be back next week with future episodes. Bye.